Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of But Have You Heard About, where I and a guest talk about an exciting historical topic. My guests will have three topics to choose one. One is for them. One is a shared mutual interest of ours. And the third is something that I like to talk about because I like to hear the sound of my own voice. Today is my wonderful running friend, Becky. Say hello, Becky. Hi. Hi. I am so excited that you are here. So I have three exciting topics for you to choose from. The first one is She Blinded Me With Math. The second one is run, girl, run. And the third one is I still know nothing about the Know Nothing Party. Becky, what would you like to talk about today? Well, I know nothing about the Know Nothing Party. So we're not talking about <laughs> something I know nothing about. However, I am a maths person. That's what I have my Bachelor of Science in. I am a geek here to tell you true for sure in case there were any doubts. So I want to talk about the math stuff. And then running, of course, because we're both running girls. Exactly. So let's start with talking about, I would call her the godmother of math and computers. And with Augusta Ada King, she's the daughter of Lord Byron, who's the famous poet who definitely had a very interesting life in general. Him and his wife got married, was not the best marriage. He literally flaunted having a relationship with his half-sister which I had to put down my phone when I was reading that because that was a little too much for me, even for the 1800s. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. But luckily for Ada, she didn't actually have to spend that much time with her dad. He passed away when she was eight. Her mother left uh, Lord Byron, went to go live with her family, took her wonderful daughter with her and pushed her to study math and science as a child because she thought it would basically take away from like the madness she thought that he had with all of his poetry and all of just his fanatical whims. He was a bit of a rake. He he was uh, well known in society for not being a, a young man who was well behaved. Yes. Um, the whole a- half sister thing, woo, that was a surprise to me too. But his wife thought he was literally crazy and she was terrified that Ada would inherit those genes. So she probably didn't think of it in quite that way. She was determined to keep her away from the madness and focus her. And she figured uh, a rigorous education would achieve that. Exactly. I love that. Um, And she was lucky. Ada was lucky that she was a part of the aristocrat family, like style lifestyle family that she was able to have tutors. Oh yeah. All the resources. Yeah, exactly. So I I'm always like a little jealous. I'm a middle-class family over here and I'm like, I wish I had tutors growing up. But then at the same time, I'm like, I would not have applied myself because I know me. I would have just been like, that's boring. I would not have a Wikipedia page about myself, but Ada does because she's amazing. When she was, I think either 15 or 13, she, I think was 13. She wanted to create like a flying machine. Yeah. Yes. And she intensely studied the mechanics of birds. Yes. That was fascinating. And when I was reading about that and learning more about her, finding out that she did this when she was 13, she literally couldn't walk for a year. And I can't remember exactly what she had, but she was bedridden. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it was measles, something along those lines where it was just bad. She was in bed, but she basically wanted to study when she could. And she intently studied birds and someone who goes from being able to walk and run to being bedridden and then be able to walk again. It makes complete sense that she would want to have a flying machine because you're like, I want to be able to leave my bed and want to give afford that to other people who can't walk. And I see that as definitely like a child or a young person's ideal kind of like fix in a sense. Mm-hmm. So she gets all these wonderful tutors. She has people that are like on the brink of breakthroughs in their field. 
But one of her tutors, Augustus de Morgan, actually thought that studying math was damaging her literal mental health because women are fragile mentally, would be like, oh, this is too much for her. Kind of like break up all that he was teaching her so she wouldn't have as much, but she finally got other tutors who would let her. And this was when she was probably 15, 16. So about a year, two years before she actually met her BFF for life, Babbage, who when I first heard his name pronounced, it was with a British accent and I was very confused and I kind of thought they were trying to say cabbage. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, okay, it's not cabbage, it's Babbage. The relationship she had with Babbage, who was 42 when she was 17, which seems really weird to be like, I'm gonna let my 17 year old daughter hang out with a 42 year old man, but it was such a platonic friendship and one Mm -hmm. based on shared interests in science and math. And he's over here talking about his idea of wanting to have a machine that was basically a calculator. The difference engine. Yep. That just crank out numbers. Yep. Yeah. And it would just kind of help solve a lot of issues because I definitely can't do math in my head on a daily basis. That's really hard. I'm really bad at like just multiplication. I have to think about it for a minute. I'm like, wait, that's not right. And I mean, we talked about already being runners. So me counting down the miles is really weird when you have like 13 miles left because I'm only 0.1 in. And I'm like, how many (laughs) miles? How many more steps is this? <laughs> I mean, she still got married. She married someone else, obviously, besides um, Babbage, her BFF. Mm-hmm. I will happily refer to them as BFFs. She got married, had a child, but she still wanted to pursue. It was her passion. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And her husband was totally fine with it as long as it did not get in the way, which for the time is actually really great. And it's kind of inspiring because a lot of women, once they were married, they were done with all that. Well, I mean, it was quite enlightened. Let's go back to the whole education thing in the first yeah. place. Women were not educated at the time for the most part because, as you referenced earlier, they were too fragile. Their poor little brains just couldn't handle higher math, for sure, or science of any kind. And it was incredibly fortunate that her family, her mother, had the resources to pay for tutors and wanted to use education as a way to to instill self-control in her. Who knew that it would produce the results that it did, and we're glad that it did. But she was quite unusual for the age in all those respects. And to have a husband on top of that who was tolerant of these passions that she had involving math and engineering and all of these things. And now remember, too, though, she had resources, as did women in the day. She probably had nurses and nannies and stuff for her kids, So it wasn't like she was solely responsible for them and was neglecting them, if you just base that on the norm for the day. But, you know, can you imagine him taking her to parties and saying, you know, oh, yeah, my my wife, Ada, who uh, is uh, best friends with a 42-year-old, and they're working on a calculating machine. I would be quite interested in what the party conversation might have been when he took her around. Exactly. Because you're basically being like, oh, yeah, this is my wife. She does math and science stuff, or she does math stuff on the side, like after she's like um, taken charge of uh, the manor and told everybody what to do. Cause she still has, I mean, I've watched Downton Abbey enough to know that there's a lot going on and you don't just get to sit in the room and drink (laughs) tea all day. I mean, I just want to be Maggie Smith from Downton Abbey. That's my life goal. (laughs) She's the boss. Everybody knows she's the boss. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going out to social aid parties and you have to introduce your wife and they ask, you know, you have to have those small conversations at those big dinner tables. And the conversation is that, oh, I just talked to, to Babbage like a couple days ago. He was discussing his machine. Um, and she's not just that she understand like math and science, but she also understands multiple languages. And to me, 
I think that's amazing because what I literally only know English and I can kind of translate Latin, which is not an exciting feat. (laughs) Reading about her is inspiring, but one of the biggest things that she contributed to was the analytical engine, which came afterwards. So Babbage definitely made it, but she worked with him and she translated his work and made it almost like 20,000 pages explaining how everything worked, why it was so great, and basically giving like layman's terms for the machine. Her notes. Yes. The notes that she made on that were so much farther and above the original material and actually included the first program. If you've seen a picture of it, it's quite amazing. This is in 1843 that she did that. She included, for for programmers out there who might be interested in this, looping and conditional branching. So your basic if-then-else statements. That, that's huge. And, and I know of which I speak because I have been a programmer, an application designer and programmer for over 30 years in a number of different languages. Oh, and by the way, there is a language named after her, yeah. Ada, um, that's primarily used initially by the U.S. military, but is in everything we feel and understand every day. Cell phones, satellites, air yeah. traffic control. Literally, she is the, I mean, I would even give her the, not just godmother, she is the godfather of computer intelligence to me because without her, nobody probably could have explained it as well with all of her notes and her understanding of how it happened. Because just like with any science experiment, if you go in, you watch somebody do an experiment, but if you don't have their detailed notes of how they got there or what it's going on in the background, you can't replicate it. You can't. And she's the one who came up with not even the notes, but the notes on notes on notes. To fathom, we had computer technology in a sense in the 1800s blows Mm -hmm. my mind. Yeah. She, and, and she made a leap. She went beyond Babbage. Babbage was all about crunching numbers. She took a leap beyond and said, wait a minute. This can be used for more than number crunching. It can be used to deal with symbols and computation, which is a higher level. But you mentioned intelligence, the word earlier. She, interestingly enough, did not believe in the potential for artificial intelligence. She said, and, and this is something that we programmers have known and have told others, a computer can only do what you tell it to do. And she said that. We know now that that's not necessarily true, which leads to a kind of a a rediscovery of her work by Alan Turing during World War II. Yes. And was very closely uh, inspired him in his work, which was, of course, seminal in breaking the Enigma code with his computing machines. And he looked at her work. And he took it, he started to think of it further in terms of artificial intelligence. So she was a major influence. A hundred years later, her work she was, was influential. When we talk about people are ahead of their time, she was miraculously like almost a century ahead of her time. She built the foundation and it kind of just stood there for a while before more people used the foundation to build upon it, to have, you know, the supercomputer. I mean, to have the smartphones we have now, we wouldn't have them without what Ada did. We wouldn't have um, just computer programming in general and the way that we see it without her. And when I was researching about this and I was looking some stuff about her, I was reading from one of Babbage's biographers, literally tried to discredit her. And there's been a couple of his own biographers. Yeah. Her interest was just like, she was a pin pal. She didn't actually do half of anything that her biographers claimed she did. And I feel that's such 
a shady thing to do to diminish what she did. And mostly it's because from like their own way without coming out and saying it is that she couldn't have done it at that time because she's a woman and women didn't have that intelligence, didn't have that level-headedness during the 1800s, which I would agree. However, because of her upbringing, it makes complete sense because her mother wanted to make sure that she had level-headedness because of who her father was. So she was in like a right place at the right time with the right surroundings, with the right passion. And the smarts. Yeah. She just had that, I think she was a a creative, intuitive math genius. I know there would probably be mathematicians that would argue with that. But her insights and her passion and devotion took her work to places that others didn't necessarily go. And it's very irritating that even today, historians, some will look back at her work and they, they are trying to discredit her influence, her actual contribution. They're just jealous. I mean, I'm trying to think when we talk about, you know, women in science and um, mathematics, I know I will always remember that we've talked, I've talked or I've been taught about Marie Curie constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't actually think I learned about Ada Lovelace until later on when there was like probably like a news thing that came out because she had a day dedicated to her in England. Um, and I think it's like October or something, but they called I it Ada. And it's it's a day for her. It's not like a national holiday, but it's like a, we, you know, commemorate the, you know, the great accomplishments you did for Britain when it comes to math, which makes complete sense. But we're, you know, we live in America. We don't necessarily think about that. And when I think of computer geniuses, all I really think of is like Bill Gates. And I don't really know what came before him. And I don't know what came after because it's just Bill Gates forever and ever, basically. Oh, and Steve Jobs. Well, the, the interesting thing, though, uh, about Ada is that, well, there are, um, other, other than the other interesting things that we talked about, is that there are others who took note of her. Yeah. Uh, in, in media, in film, she has a character, either Ada or a character very like, modeled after Ada, has appeared in several different kinds of mysteries or movies or whatever. She was always smart. She was a detective. Somehow, I always I think of her as somehow this steampunk math computer goddess you know, and, and like she was instrumental. And, but when you look at a portrait of her, she's beautiful. And she's standing there in her beautiful gown, still and calm. And she's looking out and you're thinking, the, I, I keep thinking when I see that portrait, it's like, what the heck do you think she was thinking the whole time? The artist is going, now, Countess, please stand still a moment longer you know, and she's probably running formulas through her head. Who exactly. knows? That's exactly probably what's happening. And the photo I'm thinking, the one that we're probably both looking at is where she has like the yellow. She's wearing like a blackish gray thing. And she's got like, I will call it a very interesting hairstyle. I was about to say crazy, but it's not crazy. It's just, it looks like she still has curlers in her hair in a yeah, sense. it's period. Yes, yes. Yeah. But she's got yellow flower and there's like some feathers and it almost looks like butterflies too in her hair. That next to of like all of her accomplishments, it doesn't seem to fit. And I can understand to an extent why some people be like, oh, she doesn't fit the mold. But I think a lot of people don't fit the mold because your personal style is very different from your intellectual style to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, your personal style can be that you are disorganized chaos and you don't match your socks because you just don't, you don't care. 
and the, but your intellectual style is that you are very much there. Your checkbook is balanced in your head on an hourly basis, basically. And you have two very different personas. It's what you present to people and what's internal. So it, I can see that with her. And I'm definitely nowhere near as intelligent in that regard as her. My creativity is pretty low comparatively to hers. But the fact that, I don't know, I was personally blown away by the flying machine by like a 15 year old that actually had like drawings. And I was like, yeah. you're like a, a little Leonardo da Vinci over here with your drawings and your machine ideas. And you're only 15. You know, it, it's a very difficult age, 15 girls in school and high school. And in this current day and age, when we're trying to empower women and young women in particularly, um, and to get them to, to think about themselves in confident forward-thinking ways that they are capable of doing or being more than their bodies or their hair color or the people they hang out with, that they're capable of so much. And I'm, I'm very disappointed that even though we have tried to be more conscious of STEM education for young women, that we're still not getting there and we're not getting there in the right numbers. Yeah. Women are still the minority in tech. And when I first started, I was definitely in the minority, let me tell you. But that's still true. We've got to do something to change that. It would be very important. Yeah, I was reading how there are now less percentage of women. Like there are number-wise, there's more women, but the percentage is that they are extremely outnumbered. And why is that? I mean, why is that? Women are capable. Yep. Many women who are interested there are jobs. I mean, it's a huge job market out there for people in IT. Cyber is huge and growing every day. There is a market. So what's the holdup? What's the problem? You know, Ada had the incredible encouragement and resources of her mother, her tutors, and Babbage. And so women today, they need the same thing. They need that, uh, the mentor, the, the person to encourage them, teachers, women teachers who teach science and math. Yeah. I had uh, a women teachers teaching me in high school, physics, chemistry. Now I went to an all girls school. So, yeah. you know, duh, but still they were there. How do we make those changes? I was very fortunate to have a lovely young woman teach me physics in high school so much. So I enjoyed that work so much that when I started college, I declared as a physics major. Um, and I pursued that for about a year. And then I just, I don't know, I wasn't in love with it as much as I thought. And frankly, I, I had been dabbling in engineering classes and I took drafting and electrical engineering and some other odds and ends. And I was like, well, if I'm going to change majors, what am I going to change to? And I only fell into math because that's what I had the most other credits in. Huh. So it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't an active decision of mine. It, it was just something that happened. But I did, got my Bachelor of Science in math. I found that I had a knack for weird stuff like abstract algebra and number theory. And uh, I think that that is... Those concepts are a lot of what inspired me to be interested in programming because a lot of those things are very logic-oriented. Uh, Ada had to have been very logical for her to accomplish the things she, that she did. Yes. Uh, and, and I think that 
facility that I had in logic that I learned through mathematics is what enabled me to become a pretty darn good programmer. Um, You know, so I just, I would really like to see more girls just catch interest and, and be passionate about these things because we need girls to be doing this stuff. We need young women to be in college and we need one to be studying science and engineering and becoming professors and going out into the world and doing these things and providing role models for other young women to do the same thing. So Ada is a role model, even if she was a role model from 150 something years ago. And you know, yeah, she sadly passed away when she was, I think 36. Isn't that awful? Uterine cancer. It's just tragic. What should, I mean, Courtney, what would she have accomplished had she lived another 20 or 30 years? I'm, yeah. And if she had never had uterine cancer, she would have never been sick. So even like the last, even let's say that she passed away at 36 from like an accident, even the last couple of years of her life would have been probably even more fruitful just because she wasn't sick. Yeah. And it just, it blows my mind to just think about, there are so many people that are taken when they're young. I mean, she's 36 in our terms now, isn't that young, but it's also not that old. It's, you know, it's your midlife. You can have that midlife crisis. But back then she had, because she was an upper-class woman, she had the ability to live a lot longer and had a life expectancy rate of at least 50 to 60. Mm -hmm. And she would have had, I think she would have developed so many more things or even collaborated with more. She probably would have been a great mentor. We probably even would have been farther along in the field by the time you did have Alan Turing come around in World War II. It's a great feeling that we had someone like her, but it's also sad that we lost her so soon. And it's quite amazing because she survived childbirth for crying out loud, which was a feat all on its own back then, you know, to get to that point and and then for uterine cancer to take her down. So back in the day, there used to be this program on PBS where four different people from history would sit down with a guest uh, and have dinner or, or a conversation of some sort. I don't remember the details, but there would be four people from very different parts of history. And I think Ada would be someone that would be fascinating to talk to. What would she think of us today and what we've accomplished? You know? Yeah. From what I read of her from her biographers, I don't know if she would be that upset that she's not as remembered as well as she should be, in my opinion, because I don't know if she necessarily wanted the fame because I think her mother kind of instilled it in her that her father with his madness didn't want the fame or that she shouldn't want to be like that Mm -hmm. with the notoriety um, of having your name everywhere. So I think that she wouldn't be upset that she necessarily isn't remembered for accomplishment, but I wonder on a personal note, if she would be upset that necessarily she's not given the credit that she's deserved for everything that she did, you know, lay that foundation for, as we uh, mentioned earlier. Yeah, good question. But she's 
She's one, you mentioned Marie Curry. She's one of several women who haven't gotten the recognition they deserve for the work they did in, in those times because it was unusual. But even women today don't necessarily get recognized for the work that they've done and the way they should have been. So why are we surprised? Exactly. Or they're the recognition for the things that they've done are put back into other perspectives and that they didn't earn it on their own merit. That is, that's like a whole nother story. People are weird. (laughs) Well, do you have any final thoughts about Countess Augusta Ada King or Lovely? I came across something that was equally as, as astonishing as the fact that her father had a very interesting relationship with his half sister. And that was, she gambled And what I read was she had a syndicate with male friends and they tried to create a mathematical model for betting. So she had, she had an interest in the horses. She lost heavily, apparently. So whatever formula she came up with in this particular case did not help her. I thought that was really interesting. She had apparently a vice that was not mathematical, but she tried to apply her math to the vice. That's actually really interesting. And, you know, you talked about her being logical and she needed to be logical to have that sense. Gambling is not necessarily a logical reasoning. Like you try to be like, I'm going to put money on X horse because this is the probability of winning because they've won X amount of races in the past. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I do that with sports betting. I admit this 110%. I love sports betting. I go and look, I look at projections and who teams are going to play. My, my vice is football. I I find it interesting that she tried to bring in math and just failed miserably. Yeah. Yeah. Big time, big debt, big debt. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. That's like the one thing she had in common with her father was debt. (laughs) Oh, but you know what? Weirdly enough, she asked to be buried next to him when she died. Isn't that kind of weird? You know, some women got daddy issues, so I get it. You wanna, <laughs> I mean, when I think of like poets in Britain, I definitely think of Lord Byron. And I completely forget that he actually had one legitimate child. And that's her. And it's her. Yeah. It's her. His, like, I don't, I don't even want to think. I mean, he literally had a child with his half-sister. But all of his other illegitimate children... I mean, he kicked out his wife because he wanted to have an affair, an ongoing affair with, I think, what, a singer? Something, something like that, yeah. Ugh. But anyways, Lord Byron, just another mediocre white man in history. <sighs> well, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, but join us again. Becky's going to come back and talk with us about um, running because Run Girl Run is definitely going to be a fascinating topic. So I hope you join us on the next one. And with that, have a fabulous rest of your day. Bye.